is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Eigbrett, and uh, unfortunately not joined with me today is the captain, Mr. Andy Full. Andy has uh, a crazy week going on, uh, and I'm sure he'll download you guys on all the details when we get them on next week for next week's shows. But uh, Andy uh, is leaving me to ride solo tonight with a great guest. I think if there was a guest to ride solo on, it'd be awesome. It's awesome that I have this guest tonight, Mr. Lou Minetti, who uh, will be fishing the classic here in probably like, I think it's literally about two months now. Yeah, about two months, almost on the dot, he'll be fishing the classic, which is nuts, uh, which we're going to talk about it, obviously, when we get him on here. But uh, Louie makes everything easy, so it's going to be a great one-on-one show with Louie. But uh, before we get Louie on the show, a couple things for you guys. Um Louie and I are actually talking about this offline. If you're going to be at Redcrest or the Classic, let us know because we're going to be there. Uh, we're going to be at the Classic walking around. Uh, we'll have, I say, some things to do work-wise while there. But if you're going to be at the Classic, let us know. Uh, same with Redcrest. We're going to be doing some – we don't know if they're going to be live yet. We're going to be doing shows at Redcrest. Uh, they're going to have a whole booth type of deal for us. Um, if you guys want to get in on any episodes while you're there, like let us know. We're going to probably have some things scheduled, but we we'll, might even leave some time slots open where if – if you watch the show, if you listen and you want to be on the show one of the times for 10, 15 minutes, something like that, let us know. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll figure something out. But if you're going to be at the events, give us a holler. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Andy has a new Lure Lab episode coming out on winter crankbait fishing. Um, so if you guys have not listened to Lure Lab yet, be sure to go down the links in the show notes, whether you're watching or listening. Uh, the links to that show are over there, as well as the new Business from the Bass Boat platform. So this from the Bass Boat again, I know it might, for some of you, it might be kind of getting old that we've been repeating it so much the past couple of weeks, but um, we're trying to move everybody over there. If you listen to this from the Bass Boat and you like those shows, the industry stuff, it's on its own platform now. Links are below, but you can look up this from the Bass Boat if you're on Apple, Spotify, et cetera. That way uh, you can further streamline the shows. You want to hear the content you want to hear. We're not cluttering up one platform, making it confusing on some people. So um, that's the reasoning for that. Uh, if you guys, last piece of uh, business before we get Louie on here, uh, we had Steve Barden on this past Tuesday night. It was a Wednesday episode for MP3. Uh, he's a fisheries biologist. If you guys want insane amount of fish behavior, science, biology, knowledge dropped on you, highly recommend listening to that episode. Uh, there's probably like seven different times in that episode that I didn't know what to say next after Steven answered a question because I one was trying to figure out all the big words he was saying, but two, the knowledge he dropped and of like kind of opened your eyes to some things about bass fishing was incredible. So definitely give that a listen. But without further ado, I'm gonna get on our guest here, Mr. Louis Medi Manetti. What's going on, man? What is up, buddy? I am uh, just hanging. What's going on? Man, uh, I know it's a crazy week for Andy. We were talking a little bit off, yeah. but it's been a, I think it's been a crazy week for everybody. But uh, it's definitely got to be, dude. I don't know how you're sleeping at night. Like, I, <laughs> like I get excited. I'm going to Florida just to go fishing for. I'm gonna fish tournament stuff, but like yeah. to go see family and fish for a month here in a couple of weeks, and I can barely sleep because I'm thinking about that. But you're fishing the damn classic. Yeah, you got to be excited, man. Uh, dude, I, that's been my kind of overwhelming uh feeling as of late we just did a with biz baits uh we did a show 
in Raleigh this past weekend. And, you know, it was awesome. It was a great time. Had a bunch of people come up to me and wish me good luck in the whole nine. And, you know, a couple of people asked, like, how are you feeling? Like, what's, you know, what's going through your mind? And basically over, like, I'm so excited. And I feel like that's weird because uh, definitely going to be some nerves. I think especially once I get there and, you know, take off and the whole nine. Um, but right now, man, I'm just so freaking pumped. I, that's the number one feeling I've got towards it. I don't know how you're handling it, man. I'd be <laughs> like, when I get, when I think about just a regular tournament, I get such an energetic rush that I have to like contain myself. Like I have to, like, it's not one thing where you kind of like think about it, you get excited in your brain. Like I have to like, like, cons- like talk to myself, like, Hey dude, you got to chill. Like, yeah. Go outside, shotgun a beer, relax. Like, come back in and you know, <laughs> take dude, a One hundred percent, and kind of to like go further on that. Like, it's so not to get too technical. Like, freaking first five minutes I'm on, but uh, oh, what a rip, bud! Kind of a a little way that I I feel like I did so well last year. You know, we won team of the year on top of obviously the whole bracket thing. Um. I think something that helped me out a lot was that I didn't fish a lot. And that's going to sound super bizarre to a lot of people, I'm sure. But I like really outside of tournaments, I did not fish very much. And so when it was time to like get out of work and freaking drive to God knows where to go and fish, I was just so excited. And I think it kind of helped me like start the week off regardless of if I saw a cold front coming or it was going to be miserable. It was a lake I wasn't excited about going into a tournament. I just had this excitement to go fishing. And so I I think that's definitely going to help me out. It's something like I said, something that did help me out. And I think it's something that's going to help me out going to the classic. Cause honestly, dude, I have not been fishing. Well, it's that, uh, that PMA, right. That positive attitude. That's the think positive, good, like positive results i can't honestly i don't know how the verbatim what that the slogan is but i mean i think when you have that anticipation you're excited for something you fish a little bit more free Mm -hmm. whereas if you've been fishing a lot you're doing a bunch of different things different things are going on you when you think about a lot of things going on you start thinking about the tournaments you start thinking about you overthink yeah and say that it's it can cloud that excitement cloud the judgment and yeah, you make some weird decisions, but I can definitely see where you're coming from in that, which is actually it's interesting. So Deacon on our team, we had this conversation before. Deacon's like yourself, where he doesn't fish too much outside of tournaments. Yeah. Where I am like I if I could if I had a choice, I would get rid of tournaments because I would just I just like to learn, I like to fish. We're yeah. like we're two completely different people in that. We still love fishing, but we're just like completely different attributions to it. I think it's such an interesting thing about tournament fishing where some people are just so driven by the excitement of competition. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that like, that's the thing that's weird about me is I feel like I'm more like you in that aspect where it's like, dude, if I can get out there, I'm going to, and like, I, I need to, like, I it's, I'm, I'm addicted to it. You know, it's, it's just, I love to fish, but at the same time, I, I don't know if I, I realized it or, um, I, I don't really know what made me kind of come across that feeling, but I definitely realized that getting out there less and just looking forward to the tournaments and just like the fishing in the tournaments helped me so much with what exactly what you're saying, just fish free and so on. So, so it would kill me to be like, 
it's Saturday. Like I can go fishing, you know, I can do this, that, or the other. And it's like, you know what? No, I'm going to spend half the day organizing tackle, half the day working. And, uh, you know, I got a tournament next weekend. So let me just get pumped for that. So kind of a weird way of doing it. Have you started tackle prep yet for the class? Oh, God, no, dude. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I love that. I love people that are so chill about it because, dude, if it was like, say, the classics in August and I'm in the classic, I'd be tackle prepping <laughs> now. Like, yeah. so, like, I was talking to uh, Fletcher Shark the other day and because he, he posted something about being excited for season. We started talking. I'm like, dude, yeah, I've, I have 30 rods and I've rigged them all three different times. That's how like, <laughs> I'm just like, I need to do something. Like, I need to do something. Like, it, yeah. You being stuck in the North, man, in our winter, it's horrible. I yeah I don't that is one thing I I miss a lot about the north when it comes to fishing but uh frozen water is not one of the things I miss no no I, I'm not a big ice fisherman unless there's beer involved That's yeah about the only time <laughs> same dude I I want to that one of my dreams this is totally out there one of my like dreams in life has always been like the, the whole grumpy old men thing, like pull the cabin out on the ice. Get off my you, lawn type of crap. Yeah, like throw on the radio, listen to a football game, and, you know, sit in like a heated, not not a hut, like a cabin. Like I want to do this like glamorously and sit there and catch perch or something or nothing. Dude, it is insane how much of an industry that actually is. Like it's such yeah. a niche specific. I did a, uh, we had a hummingbird ice fishing event. Um, at Malax last year, two years ago, last year I can't remember. I think it was okay. last January. We did it at Malax, but they hooked us up. So Brad Hawthorne, a uh, very successful guide, uh, walleye angler out in Minnesota, has okay. a whole like outfitter deal on Malax where he has like what you're talking about these luxurious flat screen TVs, yeah. heated, nice like mobile homes basically on the lake with holes in them. And so like yeah. we're in our beds and we're ice fishing while we're like laying yeah. in bed. And we're like Netflix is on and it's dude, it's unreal how people have taken ice fishing to this like simple drill a hole, stick a line through it and you're good to this like <laughs> glamour. It's but dude, I, I, I honestly I've been ice fishing probably say roughly 20 times. That was okay. the funnest time I've ever been ice fishing. I didn't catch a damn thing. There you go. Because <laughs> you're, you're just like, you're with the boys. Yeah. Chugging beers. And yeah. It's, yeah. It's fun as heck. I totally yeah, that, see where you're coming from. That's, that's what I want to do. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get up there and do that. I, I got the people to put you in touch. Sweet. Get your boys and uh, go have yourselves <laughs> a week. Hell yeah. Um, but dude, so, Quickly talking about the classic. I know mm-hmm. we, we touched on it a little bit offline, but I want to save it for the show. Have, like, what's what prep have you done? What's prepared? What still do you have to do? Things leading up to tournament time. Not to to give you the short answer because you know I, I have to elaborate on everything, but uh, the short answer is everything. Uh, <laughs> I need to get the boat, the truck. Um, rods reels tackle dude i am as unprepared as unprepared gets uh but at the same time as as bad as that may sound this is going to sound worse that's kind of how i operate um i don't know it's i i've just always kind of like even in school like the best papers i ever wrote i wrote at two o'clock in the morning night before it was due and i'm kind of the same way with fishing um where i i just I kind of leave everything to the last minute. At the same time, I I like to prepare. And kind of a thing that I do is like 
I'll try and get there as early as I can, like the day before practice. Like if I got to leave a whole day early, I will. Because once I get there, then I take a day before practice to like get all my stuff together. Um, so that's my kind of classic plan. Um, but dude, yeah, no, I, I got to boat the truck. Um, I got to get it rigged when it gets here, when I get it here. Um, rods real, the, the whole nine, um, man, as of right now, I, I still have, I've, the rods and reels that I have are the 10 rods and reels that I fished with last year. So yeah, we, we've got some work to do for sure, but things are starting to get in motion, starting to get some really great looking proofs for the, for the wrap that should be done this week. And I plan on picking up the boat right at the first of the month. So, um, things are definitely starting to move along. That's right. I think, uh, I don't want to like label it as fame, but there was like a lot of buzz for your boat. Yeah, you won. You you ended up having to get a new boat, right? Yeah. So through the program, Bassmaster and Bass Pro Shops will rig me out with a nitro. Uh, I think it's either a Z twenty or a Z twenty one. Thanks. So you're gonna have seats that are intact. What's that gonna be like? I'm gonna have not only seats that are intact. I'm gonna have a boat that goes more than forty five miles an hour. <laughs> I'm gonna have electronics on the front deck. I'm gonna have freaking. Well, there's another like big thing. Oh, gas, gas, yes, gas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have gas. I love that. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's gonna be sweet. Well, dude, dude, that's freaking cool. Um, I'm hyped for you. And I think one thing that's yeah, that's bro. really interesting about it is, I don't think you're the kind of person that's gonna let like that new flashy boat change you, which I yeah. think is super cool. Uh, and I, again, I don't want to put too big of a label on you as like, I'm so su- I'm a superstitious guy. So I don't want to say that, but I mean, this as a, as a compliment, you remind me of a John Cox, a young John Cox. That's the biggest compliment I could get. One, I want to say just from fishing style because no electronics, pure instincts, which I think is the biggest compliment, especially nowadays with the electronic age. That's a huge factor to have that I think. John Cox, like a Keith Carson, those guys rely on Keith Pochet. A lot of, a lot of keys. Um, <laughs> but that also, honestly, uh, I spent a decent amount of time around John Cox. And you guys have a very similar, like, mantra. You guys are very, like, John, I've seen him after when he's been driving, like, a day and a half straight. And you'd think I would be negative that I have to go work a trade show now and I'm all groggy. Dude's the, still the happiest guy you've ever met. And I think you're exactly like that. You're very free floating. I'm going to go fish how I want to fish. And I think that's a big thing you got going for you. And I think, honestly, that's a, another egg in the sack for you. As you, I'm assuming you're going to try to potentially try to go pro, right? Yeah, dude. I, thank you so much. That's uh, I appreciate it big time because that's that dude is one of my heroes for a multitude of reasons. But, uh, yeah, no, that's that's good stuff. And absolutely, man. I mean, I got, you know, on top of the boat, truck classic. If that isn't enough, I've got entry in all nine opens. Um, and I am I'm gonna give it my all without a doubt. Um I've I've been kind of telling, you know, companies and stuff that I've been talking to because I've been couldn't be more grateful. I've gotten hooked up with kind of all the college series sponsors for this year. Um, and I don't really know how 2024 looks. We're going to kind of see and figure it out. Um, but what I've been telling other companies is like, look, 
you know, I've, I've kind of got this year figured out, but this isn't it. I mean, I'm, I'm not giving up. If I had finished last in the points this year, we got it. I've kind of the overwhelming feeling I've had since winning the tournament. Um, and this was, I've always felt this way anyways, regardless if I won the tournament or not, but I've kind of known that regardless, I was going to give this a shot. So for at least the next two, three, four years, um, I'm definitely going to be trying to make the elite series. That sounds ridiculous coming out of my mouth. Um, just from a, where I was six months ago perspective, but I mean, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm definitely all in and we'll see. I mean, like you said, it's, I've just got to kind of keep that same mindset and attitude that I've had. It's, I, I feel like that's the biggest thing for me. And uh, that that's going to be the biggest struggle this year for sure. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it's cool to watch people. And I, I say this, I'm 25 years old, but like <laughs> I, I've seen enough when I've heard enough and I've been around enough people that have, have been around the block to be able to speak to this, where it's the fishing industry isn't huge and tournament fishing is even smaller, but the tournament, like from a like, especially like the elites, they put you at such this pedestal, mm-hmm. and people that go on, it's cool to see the people that how they manage that level of exposure. Uh, and I think as long like you to your point, as long as you keep that, like keep that, like who you are, I think you're gonna one do really well <laughs> outside of just the tournaments because we have we've had this conversation on the show a lot that the sport of bass fishing in the future going forward needs more characters, mm-hmm. needs more personalities. We have a few, we have Matt Robertson. Mm-hmm. We have, cause like the KVDs, the Ikes, they're, they're still a prevalent now, but they're the next generation to phase out of the sport. Yeah. yeah. We need more Matt Robertson's and BPs and things along those lines. I think you're one of those people that could be like with Maddie Wong, one of those young guns that's coming up. Um, yeah. I think you'll do really well on the business side, especially if you keep to yourself. And the fishing is only going to come along with that. So I think you keep that up. But one thing I'm curious about, because I read an article, I think it was Bass Blaster today, where he was, uh, I think it was five cues with fighter, where they talked okay. about this uh, forward-facing sonar movement and how so many more people are getting it, pushing them away from the bank, leaving way more room for the guys that are on the bank. What, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Are you are you going to stay away from the sonar and stay on the bank? Like, are you going to try to learn it? Like, what's your what's your take? Well, first thing, um, I have I, I've definitely taken my shots and uh, in, in buddy conversations and such at forward facing and you know <laughs> technology and stuff. But at the same time, it is the I genuinely believe that it is the best thing to ever happen to a guy like me. Um, I think a lot of people see it and need it and see these terms being won on it and yada, yada, yada. It, I've just proven and a number of other people will continue to prove outside of me that it's not 100% necessary. Um, as much as, you know, right now I can say this because I'm not with a electronics company that is forcing <laughs> me to say this. Um, it's not a 100% need. Um right. The bass don't know. Well, actually, they might know, which could go further into my point here. Um, but they don't know if you have it or not. They might. But uh, <laughs> they got their own forward facing sonar. <laughs> exactly. Um, but at the end of the day, it they're still bass. I mean, they're still fish. You put the bait in front of them, they're going to bite. 
you know, if getting into too much there, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I I believe that it's the it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I think if forward facing sonar, I'm not going to say forward facing sonar didn't come out, I wouldn't be where I am. But it, I believe that it helped. Um, I know myself, and I've I've heard just recently. It's it's not been overwhelming, but just recently I've heard a couple of different pros that are bank beaters and guys that like to flip and this, that, and the other are like, dude, this is great. I can fish free or there's nobody here. You know, mm-hmm. that is a huge, huge deal. I mean, we all talk about all the time, the amount of pressure our lakes are getting, especially now since COVID, I feel like so many people bought boats and mm-hmm. started fishing and a lot of people bought boats and started fishing right when the forward facing sonar thing started happening. So everyone got into it and everybody had to have it and the whole night. Um, so I think it helped me out big time. I think it helped a lot of other pros out that, that even if it's not showing in results, which in my case it did, um, guys that are bank beaters or flippers or froggers, they're feeling more confident. They're feeling better about their chances because you go to the bank and you're free and fish still got to go to the bank. So, you know, I think, you, you know, I'm getting real long-winded here. <laughs> in like the 2010s when uh, size scan and all that, that was kind of when I was getting into it. You heard so many guys say, oh, my God, there's fish offshore that we never knew about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think the number that got thrown around a lot of the time was like 80% of the fish spend most of the year offshore and stuff like that. Well, there's still a 20% that lives up there. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen a guy like John Cox or – myself or a number of other people i'd go ahead and argue that that 20 percent on average is a bigger 20 percent fish than the ones that are off the bank um and in you know bass tournaments and now mlf tournaments it's best five so you know it, it i think that it definitely um helped me i think it, it can help a lot of other people um but to put all that aside and actually answer your question um, I will definitely mess around with it a little bit. I'm very excited to try it out. With that being said, I don't know that it's going to be something I really lean on until I feel comfortable with it. That's kind of where I'm going to be. Um, I'm going to do my best to try and stay away from it in tournaments. Maybe not stay away, but use it very sparingly just because I'm very self-aware of the fact that probably 75% of the field is going to be better than me at it tournament one. So, yeah, I think, I think, uh, one to your point, I've heard, you know, Hackney and such talk about that. So same thing of more people using it, the better it's going to be for the shallow guys, especially when you have the intuition that you guys do. Well, yeah. Like you mentioned, like maybe it's 20% that are up there, but they're up there for one reason. And the one reason mm-hmm. is they're most likely going to eat your bait. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think though it, it's it's an interesting discussion. Like I, I look at a shallow guy, and I think like a 360 could be of advantage. Or Lawrence just came out with a new mode for their active target that's like basically like a 280 or 275. That's like essentially like a live 360. Yeah, uh, that is actually pretty dope for somebody that's like a shallow water. And say you're you're fishing stuff that's dirty, you can't see. Like that could be of advantage, but. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's a it's an interesting one. I love this conversation because one, I'm an electronics guy, but I, I 
I took a while in the learning curve of getting into like step by step by step. Like at first I only had 2d and mm-hmm. then I moved on to basic 2d and side imaging and basic mapping. And then I upgraded from that and got 360 and side imaging. And then I got forward mm-hmm. facing, but the best things I always heard. And I mean, people that listen, is probably getting sick of me saying this all the time, but it's like, but it's so true to nail home that when you get a forward facing sonar, that's a really powerful technology. If you let it change you, you're going to suck. You're mm-hmm. going to fall behind. But if you use it as another tool to how you fish and you have the ability to put it away and stop breaking your neck, looking down the whole dang tournament, mm-hmm. you're going to be as deadly as ever. Uh, I think that's one thing that I think you have the whereabouts of you to be like, if I get this technology and I get up there and I'm going to go fish docks, I'm putting this damn thing away. Or I'm turning my screen off. Like we're, we're going to work, but it's, yeah. uh, it's an interesting one. That's for sure. I, dude, I, I, I hope I do. Um, that That's something I'm going to strive for. And, and like you said, like, you know, there are guys. I mean, I remember seeing, like, Luke Palmer in um, the Santee tournament. Yep. He, he was catching him on the bed using forward facing, and that's freaking badass. Yeah, watch him yeah. with tree trunks. Yeah, that – I'm not going to – and to kind of go back, I think a lot of people maybe think that I am, like, a forward facing hater and – I'll joke about it here and there, but I think any technology is great for the industry. It's the development of the sport. And like, look at it like football. Like, yeah, you got Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and like these guys that can throw a ball a gajillion yards and can run and can break tackles and like the whole nine. That That's like the new school quarterback. But at the same time, dude, Tom Brady's still out there doing it. I know he just lost, but <laughs> he's still out there doing the dang thing. Like, there's still a football IQ still matters. Like it's, yeah. you can't just have the body. And I think it's It'll the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, I see the forward facing sonar and the technology is like, dude, like if you're able to put this together with the, mo- the, the mind um, and, and the mindset and the football, skills, IQ, the decision-making the instincts, yeah. that's how you get a guy guy. But at the same time, there's still going to be guys like me catching them. And there's going to be guys like, I don't know who's a, like a Cody Huff. I'm not saying Cody Huff doesn't have the mental side because I don't believe that. Right. Um, he proved that in college. <laughs> he, he's he's my proven. ass. Yeah. My ass. Um, yeah. But like you look at a guy, Cody Huff, and you think about like forward facing, and the dude is like, I, I mean, I don't know how to put a top, top 10. How do you say that? But he's a top leading edge forward facing guy, and he's freaking doing it. Whereas on the same playing field, you have John Cox doing it, like you said. So it's it's like any sport, dude. You don't need any one talent. Um, but if you can blend it all together and put it all together, you get a guy like Jacob Wheeler. You get a guy like Kevin Van Dam. Like a guy who's going to dominate the sport, Pollen. Um, so I, I definitely strive for that. And, and I, I'd be lying, dude. I, I've said over and over, I don't want to just – especially to buddies. I think this is probably the first time I'm saying it publicly out loud. So I don't want to be just a guy who makes it. I don't want to go out there and win a classic and like, dude, I did that. I I want to be the best that there ever was. So mm-hmm. down the road, I want to learn all that stuff and, and become the best I can be at it. But at the same time, I can be real with myself and look in the mirror and say, Lewis, you're not going to figure this out in a month. Cause I'm not. So yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a really good know how of yourself, like be able to look in the mirror, like you ain't it yet. 
<laughs> but like that's the point you ain't it okay but the, you take you break that up yet there's a lot yes. yet means a lot more work to do but i think that's the one uh interesting part of you know she's watching certain anglers and their styles when they try to conform to the new craze mm-hmm. you see some of them adapt well you see some of them that realize yeah you know what that ain't me and yeah. they move on and they are still successful in the way they fish they might be not as successful in certain events because they fall behind because that specific technique or the technology is helping in some certain way. But then there's guys that just crash and burn because they keep trying to force it. But yeah, yeah, it's an interesting thing. But I, uh, I feel like I talk about technology too much on the show, <laughs> and that's not why I got you on here to talk about that. Um, I'll talk about anything, dude. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I could tell that I, I'm excited for our beers at, at Redcrest for Hell yeah. that point, but. Um, one thing what I really wanted to dig into was your process of tournaments being, and now like knowing that you're very lax, you're very, um, you take whatever comes to you, you know, that kind of thing. Like you're kind of a go with the flow. I'm going to fish. How I want to fish. How do you, how do you break down water? Like if you're very last minute stuff, like doing the like rig and tackle the day before, like, what does your process look like before practice? And then going to practice in a brand new body of water and breaking that down, trying to find bites. That's uh that's a, that's one to dive into for sure. Um, I, I feel like I have a very interesting way to do it. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if this is a real unique way of looking at it or I, I think, a, you know, everybody does it different. It's like anything else in fishing or just sports in general. Um, for me personally, I'm the exact same way with the tackle prep as I am with the lake prep. Um, I was the guy, I have been the guy who like sat there and freaking inched along every single contour. I've been that guy. Um, I've been had some success doing it, but not a ton. My kind of approach this past year, and I like to use that as a reference just because it's like kind of my coming out year in a way. Um, and it's kind of the year it all clicked and I kept the same exact, uh, mindset approaches throughout all four tournaments and the bracket when you just was bad. But uh, <laughs> I, I kind of was very consistent or tried to be. Um, and so the way I try to look at it is, okay, I've got this lake. I know, obviously I know a thing or two about this lake. I'll do a very basic research or I'm such a nerd of the sport in off times and just throughout my life that, I know of 90%, 99% of the lakes that I'm going to go to. Um, for some reason, I knew of Ufala or Oklahoma, which nobody should know of if you're not from Oklahoma. But anyways, uh, sorry, Oklahoma guys. But uh, <laughs> I just kind of like to look at the lake. The only thing I'll do prior to getting there is look at the lake and try try my hardest in a, a night or, you know, however long it takes to get a general area that suits me and my strong suits and what I want to do. So I'll take Norfolk, for example. That was at one in Arkansas I had never been to. Um, I looked at that lake instantly, I think, bottom of the lake. Reason being, I like to fish clean water. Doesn't really, not super conducive for a shallow guy, which I am, but that's just how we do things. Uh, <laughs> I think clean water i come from the north i'm confident fishing smallmouth so like clean water okay so i take the bottom creek this is going to be my spot i'm going to die here so that's the first instinct 
the whole rest of the leg wiped out. The caveat there being if I put five days of practice in, four days of practice, three days, don't catch anything, okay, we're scrapping it. But let's pretend that doesn't happen. Um, I pick an area, and that's it. Like, I'll pick that week of, that's totally it. I tie on, you know, my six or seven confidence baits, depending on time of the year, and I go to fishing. First day of practice is, like, let me get a feel. Some sort of feel. I, I don't... I'm fishing. I'm fishing. I'm trying to catch fish. My theory on that is it's usually three, four days ahead of the tournament. I'm not worried about sticking fish. Um, you know, sure. You know, I'm not going to go to some offshore hole that I, you know, if I, if I graph something on the way into a spot, seen offshore, I'm not going to go stick 30, but you know, I, for the most part, I'm trying to catch fish. Then I kind of assess that night, okay, what do we have to go off of? What's water temp, clarity? Where did I find clean water? Is there no clean water? Are they moving up? Are they not? What's the weather going to look like for the rest of the week? Dude, I won't even like, I tend to not try and look at that until I get there. Like even weather, like I want to be in the moment as much as physically possible. So that's my biggest approach is, figure it out. Um, you know, as far as bait and tackle prep, that can be tough because how do you know what you're going to need when you don't know what you're going to bring? And I guess the way I would look at that is I have my things that I throw based on time of the year and I don't deviate much. I'm a very simple color guy. I throw green pumpkin. I throw black. I throw white. Like it's, it's, it's as bare bones as it gets as little thinking as it gets. I know they're going to bite green pumpkin, white or black. Um, so like I said, that first night, I'll try and figure out some kind of something to go off of. If I find nothing, we pick right back up where we left off on new water. If I found a little something, okay, let's try and find a little bit more, but like, I don't know the different areas of that area might fish differently. So it's just basically a big figure it out as you go. And as Michael, my college partner and I, and roommate, um, as we joke often, because it's the truth, just about every tournament, the last three hours of practice, it all comes together. I don't know how that works out. I don't know if it's meant to be, but that's just kind of how it tends to go or went. Um, and that's kind of how I do it. I wonder if like it's a – I wonder if it's more of like a psychology thing where it's like you know there's a time crunch, so it's like helps you focus a little bit better. Yeah. Talking about that last couple hours of practice type of deal. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe it makes you like step back and evaluate your options a little bit better. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Whereas it's, like if you have a whole day of practice left, you're probably sitting there like, ah, oh, we're going to go search this. You're not like thinking what you have to do just yet because you still have a whole other day to explore. Right. I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's weird. And I'll say that it's not always like that. Like we went in the Harris chain. I, I fished, tried to fish every tournament to win with the exception of Harris chain. Um, and I, it's funny because as I forget which podcast or show I was watching where I heard this, but some pro said, you know, if you shoot to win, you might end up in the top 20, you shoot to qualify or to get a check. You might just barely get a check. You'll probably end up outside, just outside or way down. I fished Harris chain to qualify, which is top 10%, top 25 in the tournament. And, uh, we came in 26th. So... <laughs> Damn. That tournament, I went into it. I said, look, I don't punch. If sight fishing happens, I'll do it. Very much so. 
but I love fishing offshore grass. It's what I grew up doing. It's the one thing I do that does not, that is totally off brand. Um, I love grass fishing. So I went into that tournament, like dude, it's Florida. I'm picking Griffin. We're graphing for grass. That's it. Period. Let's go. That's what I did. Um, so that was the one time that I kind of did things somewhat to a plan, but even then it was like, all right, let's just graph. Like if you're going to go grass fishing offshore, you're not going to just pull up and fish. Like you got to find some first. Mm-hmm. So I would just graph around, oh, find a grass. Okay. Freaking drop trolling motor, start fishing. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to just mark all this stuff in the last day of practice. I'll fish it. Even with that, it was, I'm fishing as I see. Yeah. No, I totally understand that. And that's one where I think it's, it's kind of interesting when you see all these bank guys and that's the one time they'll get offshore is when <laughs> it comes to grass. Yeah. And that that's super intriguing. Um, I was going to, I was, oh gosh, I was about to mention something. Oh, so the the podcast, I can name exactly what that was. That was Brandon Polinek on BTL. Sweet. Because yeah. that's, uh, I took note of that as well when, when he mentioned that of stop trying to fish to like gain points. If you fish yeah. points, you're going to suck. Yeah. And I thought that was a really good thing. If you shoot to win every single time, I mean, like you, like you just stated, like worst case scenario, you you get a good finish, like you know. Exactly, dude, yeah. and that's ever since I heard that, that's how I've kind of started to approach it. And it's super weird because I do not see myself at all. And you know, it's very easy for people to take a shot at this because I just won that tournament. But um, I don't see myself as a winner at all. I see myself as a points guy. But that doesn't mean I can't fish to win and just end up with higher points. And I think that's kind of how this year happened. So you, you like more chasing AOI than anything else. Yeah, that, I, it's what I pride myself on is consistency. And I don't know if it's a Jersey thing, um, just growing up a tough place where it's like, if I can show up with five every day, I that is something to hang my hat on. Um, I don't know if that's where that comes from or, or really where. And I, I hope you know, that one day I can develop the skills to become the dude who does it both, does it all. But I look at a guy like Iconelli, my, you know, hero growing up, look at the tournaments that guy wins. They're not the pretty ones. Um, so I kind of imagine, if I were to imagine the kind of tournaments I'll end up winning, case in point, disgusting fall tournament in the Carolinas, um, I'm, I'm kind of a, a very similar in my style in that, I'm consistent. At least I feel I can be. And if it's ugly, real ugly, that's when I got a shot. Yeah, I was, I was about to answer my next question was, I'm going to assume because of the the Jersey heritage that you like grinders. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I do. I, I especially, I mean, throw every variable you can throw. I mean, throw – tide throw a cold front like let's go baby i mean obviously i hate fishing it if it was up to me i'd go to st lawrence and only fish there all the time and catch 54 <laughs> pounds small enough a day without a doubt right <laughs> um, but that's that's my kind of, that and small math tournaments honestly it's it's weird being here and only doing it so much as a kid but man i i, I do feel like my two like my two true strengths right now as an angler our grinders and smallmouth tournaments. Honestly, I think uh, 
<laughs> that suits you well for elite series events. <laughs> <laughs> you're good at grinders and and smallmouth herbs. You're you'll probably make a bunch of classics. I hope. I hope. Um, I mean, that's like uh, that's like a basically a token out of Ike's book. Like grinders does really well with smallmouth herbs. Hangs in there for when there's slugfests. You know, yeah. holds his own. But like, yeah, I could definitely. I mean, if you can hold your own in slugfest and you can do like top ten the grinders, I mean, you're going to be in the elites for a long damn time. That's that's the goal, man. And the the goal is, you know, to find a way to freaking win the slugfest. But yeah, right now, the hardest I'm, ones to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right now, where I'm at, I just I don't have that. Dude, my PB is a seven one. Like that's the only fish over seven I've ever caught. Like if I ever need to catch thirty pounds, I need to catch like five PBs. It's not not good. Yeah, I'm right there with you, buddy. It's not an easy task. It took us this long right. to get so. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, will that be saying, you know, looking at the opens next year? Mm-hmm. Now, is there is there one that you think? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to call out two tournaments. One being mm-hmm. one you think that is your weakest. You think it might be your weakest event on paper, on paper, mm-hmm. and then one that might be your strongest event. Oh man, I. <sighs> I can't not um, say my strongest event will be the St. Lawrence, and I could be so wrong about that because I've fished two college tournaments now there. Um, I fished a – it was a regional not, – not a regional, a qualifier my freshman year and a national championship my junior year and sucked at both. The freshman year one, they were spawning – the river was high water. We couldn't lock. It was weird. Um, I came in like the fifties out of 170, one good. And then the next one was the natty. And I came in 60th out of 65th out of like 140 or something. And that one, I lost the fish to win the national championship. Even though I didn't fish day three, I lost like 24, 25 pounds day one. Like it was the grossest, most disgusting thing that's ever happened in my life. Um, so I'm hoping I can break my St. Lawrence curse, despite it being my absolute favorite place in the world and somewhere I feel like I'm really good on. What's uh, what bait were you losing them on? A bait I no longer throw. I am telling you right now, I will not pick it up. I refuse to. It's a spy bait. I won't pick it up. Really? Okay. I mean, I I guess that that makes sense. All right. All right. Walk me through this now because I (laughs) love throwing a spy bait. We're going to go down this rabbit hole. Was it, what do you think it was? Do you think it was a setup thing, a hook thing? Okay. So I do have a theory looking back on it and that doesn't mean I'm going to pick it up because it's, it's the devil. It, you can't throw it in my boat. It's illegal. I won't touch it. <laughs> throw the hair. <laughs> it, dude. It, yeah, oh, I love the hair. A spy bait to me in my limited, limited experience with it. And I used to love it, but, uh, I think it's something that you really do need to have the right setup for. It's one of those few things like a jerk bait that if you're not throwing the perfect setup, Big time. it ain't happening. And being myself, the guy with the crappy boat, I don't, I don't know if this has been published enough. The rod and reel combos are not far off. <laughs> I've got a couple rods and reels. They do what they need to do and that's it. And for spy bait that just, I don't, I just don't think that cuts it. You hear that, Rod and Real Companies? Sign this, man. <laughs> Help them out, all right? Let them, let them throw spy bait for once. <laughs> yeah. 
Dude, it yeah, was... Spy I'll agree, man. That is one that is very, very like you can't get away with your universal rod, as we like to call right. it. Your, your standard seven foot medium, which is funny because you go fun fishing, you'll throw a seven foot medium and you'll smoke them and you'll catch them on every single cast on a spy bait. Yeah. Um, man, that's a that's a that's one I've been trying to dial in for a while, and it's one that there's a lot of different opinions on it. Uh, it's all like really comes down, I think, to the angler and how they they work it. I think yeah. I think it's honestly specific to the angler and their hook set. Like mm-hmm. if you're a guy that's very, you're you naturally try to give something like a strong, you know, hook set. Uh, I thought things like there's just people specifically guys from the south that even with spinning rods they mm-hmm. love to jack them even when it's like six pound test and a drop shot. Yeah, so it blows my mind that line doesn't break as much. But there then but there's guys that you notice more northern guys will either give it a quick pop. Or they'll just they'll lean and lift. Yeah. Like you notice that it's kind of interesting. Totally. Or a spy bait's one like, I mean, a lot of guys when they feel that bite, they'll, they'll try to like jack. Where I think like a hair jig because it's the one hook you can give it a pop. But yeah. the spy bait one I think is is a real like a drop shot. Yeah. You got to just lean back into it. Where, but I also think there's a big advantage to having. I was very anti mono. Mm-hmm. We can talk about straight mono for this technique, but I think it actually plays interesting. This one. Interesting. So it was actually I never tried it on purpose. I was always the braid to like super long floral <clears throat> floral leader. Yep. I didn't think you needed to change that much. I just, it was the same rod. It was a it was a seven six medium, mm-hmm. um, and then one of my buddy's boats broke down in St. Lawrence. And what my buddy and I did, we were on a different boat, drove over. I was going to take the trolling motor on his boat, float down river and get to Marina. They were going to take his boat, go back to his truck, go pick up the thing, whatever. Well, I go over, they buzz away, and I'm like, oh, crap, I don't have any rods. <laughs> so I go in his rod locker, and pick up a spy bait, and it's all mono. And, dude, I went and hammered them on it. And I ever since, never lost a single one. Both hooks just driven right into the small mouth, like – I, th- I think it was a mono thing because I had the same exact setup, rod, reel, um, and then like bait and even like replacement trebles, like Ichikawa's, and but just switched up the line and I started losing them on braid to floral. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think just to reinforce your point that I think it's yeah. so specific for specific, like for particular baits, it's very yeah. specific. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've heard people say the same thing about the hair jig. And I just don't think that's true because, dude, I literally throw it on a seven-foot medium. Uh, I throw 10 to, like, six, and I don't lose them on that. Like, I, it's occasionally yeah. happened, but I don't lose them. And another thing, too, is especially in that tournament, like, you know, everybody knows once it starts getting your head. And, dude, I'll, I'll tell you right now, that tournament hit me. That, that tournament happened prior to that tournament. I was in the worst headspace slump funk whatever you want to call it and i like went into it being like dude this is where it breaks like this is the one this is my place this is my kind of fishing and had the bites for it to happen which made me tumble further into my slump funk but besides the point um that hair jig dude okay so funny story the way i discovered the hair jig Day one of that tournament, I go out. I lose legitimately no BS. I don't like to exaggerate. 24, 25 pounds. I lost one that I think was pushing six and a half, seven. It was an egregious fish. Lost <laughs> it at the boat. Lost a five. Lost a four and a half. Lost a four. 
and lost like a three and three quarters. Like it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what? They said, yeah, you had a bag hooked. Yeah, yeah. I weighed in eight pounds for three. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was Whoa. bad, bad. I dude, I I've got places. Stick in it the, in. <laughs> yeah, I've got places in the St. Lawrence. I know I can go and catch 17, 18, like my eyes closed. I went to a place where it was like, I'm gonna catch a bag or I'm not gonna catch him in the middle. <laughs> yeah. so, you had a bag, you hooked him, they were there. You're yeah. you're something yeah. right. <laughs> it was disgusting. So that night I stayed at um one of my dad's best buddies from high school lives there. Um, I stayed with him and obviously no info, nothing like that, but I know he's a big fly fisherman. So I went in the house and I was like, you know what? Screw it. Like I, I'm not, I have nothing to lose. I'm 15 pounds out of the lead. Like I'm not going to make day three, whatever. So I go in his house. I'm like, Hey, I know you fly fish. Don't tell me if you've heard anything. Like, like do not, I'm big about stuff like that. Like I don't want to breaking no info rule whatever i was like take these two eighth ounce jig heads and please tie me on black marabou as much as you can he was like okay <laughs> so he ties them up i got the next day catch 19 and a half it was like yeah, didn't lose a fish that was the first time i ever threw the hair jig <laughs> dude that's a hair jig's a funny one too because like you get your midwest guys and some mm-hmm. of your northern boys that are like it's seven four seven six medium. You got that's what you have to throw. Yeah, six pound braid. Uh, which I mean, I'm one of those guys just because I like longer rods. But then, you know, I was on Champlain with Justin Atkins, and he's smoking them on a six ten. Like, and you used like going like cast just as far as I was, and I was like, there's just something, especially like single hook basically. It just doesn't yeah. doesn't matter as long as you get a pin. It it doesn't matter. Like huh. St. Lawrence River is one where it's seven six flipping stick. 25 pound floral and a spinner bait that won't break on you and burn that sucker as fast as you can. Yeah. 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 It's fighting your life. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Dude. And I think that's part of the reason, like part of the reason why I don't in general, like not just a spy bait. I think that the spy bait definitely hurt my, my this. Um, But I don't throw treble hook baits. Like I do, you know, I throw jerk bait, I'll throw top water, but like I really, when avoidable, I avoid a treble hook. And I think it's probably partially because of my equipment, but more so just like in the back of my mind, I know I'm going, I'm more apt to lose the fish. Um, I really try and sub out a treble hook bait for a single hook bait whenever possible. It's yeah, a I think weird that's everybody. Thing I, I mean, yeah, I think it's everyone now just because when you see how many you lose, it's like, yeah, it's hard not to. It's brutal. I can't do it. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. It's yeah. But I mean, to be fair though, treble hooks have come a damn long way. They have. I'll say that. I'll say that. Totally, totally. I've gotten big too into like, like the fancy stuff, like G finesse when possible, Ryugi. Like I'm, I'm a. As as it's funny how totally we're getting on tangents. I love it. Um, <laughs> as like crappy as like the rods, reels, the boat, my tackle boxes, like everything is a mess when it comes to the actual tackle. I like I'm a A mark. Like, dude, I am a freaking stickler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad. Very O C D organized. Yeah. The crucial stuff. Organized is tough, but uh <laughs> as far as what's being thrown out there, it's like I it's perfect. Top notch, yeah. 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 I mean, it's the important things, right? I mean, John Cox isn't putting him in the boat if he doesn't have a good hook. Like yeah. you know, same same deal. 
Line two. Dude, I'm I'm like a line every night kind of guy, like new lines. Really? Oh yeah. I can't do it. Oh yeah. I'm not I still got floral on flipping sticks from like a year ago. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that grosses me out. Really? <laughs> oh dude, I'm like I'm a freak. I my my thought process on it is if I throw an eighty dollar rod with a hundred dollar reel on it, that can buy me like three spools of line to put on that rod and reel throughout the year. That's smart. That's okay. the way I look at it. Man, for how much I fish, though, I'm sitting there, I'm like, that's a lot of line. That's a lot yeah, of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's only for tournaments. It's not every night. It's every single first night of a tournament. I mean, I, I respool everything completely, besides spinning stuff. Yeah. Uh, the night before a tournament. Yeah, so we're the same. But, like, when it, after that, I ain't touching anything until the next tournament. Same. It's same, same line. I don't care if I have like 50 yards left on something. I'm still trying oh. to make it work. <laughs> Dude, I'm the same. As far All as right. like practice and fun fishing goes, yeah, no, no, no. All right, cool. If, All I, right. if I'm breaking off sixes in practice and fun fishing, I don't care. I thought you were getting that like every time you go fishing, I'm like, oh, You're no. Line. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> Dude, there's like, there's even guys that will like respool every single night of a derp. Like, yeah. That's a lot of line, dude. Yeah, it's, it's so much money. It's crazy. I've I've heard that, and I can see it. Like maybe like a place I could see myself doing it. You're like pre sprung. <laughs> what the classic? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, like uh, like pre spawn, like rock bumping of some sort. Like, gotcha. I could see it. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I'd do it, but I could see it. St. Lawrence, if you're on the river and you're dragging all day, I could definitely see that. Yeah, the only problem is I only throw spinning rod there. I, I throw like four baits ever there. There's some people that do the whole casting deal and the macho man I drag with casting. Yeah. Uh, and like, I mean, hey, more power to you because you're probably getting a better hook set and not breaking off as much, but I don't feel like you're getting as much bites. No, dude, I'm I'm a big, 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 like white line guy as much as possible, whenever possible. I get so much crap from my boys down here. Because they're Carolina boys, big fish, Jordan Lake, eight pounders. Yeah, I don't Maybe care. All in chain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Give me, give me the light stuff, dude. I, I'm a firm believer in as light as I can go. Um, and I got a, I got a like crap on slash shout out Andrew Upshaw. He was on BTL talking about four, and uh, the week later I picked up a rod and reel to fish four on. So. That's my new thing yeah. to mess around with. <laughs> Four pound test? Yeah. Man, I'm a straight northerner, like Great Lakes, and I've never gone down to four. I most I'll go is like six gamma. And yeah. it's like a little bit thicker than Yeah, I think I'm a psycho. Um, but the second he talked about it and he was like, dude, there's been tournaments where I'm catching twenty got twenty fish next to guys who are catching one or two, I was like, I have to try. <laughs> So, <laughs> if he says that, you, you got to. Yeah, like I heard that, and I'm such a proponent. Like, dude, I fished Santee a couple years ago, like throwing a wacky rig on stumps, and like I could not bring myself to throw ten. It had to be eight. Like, I'm a, I'm a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> man. Yeah, I don't know that's why. A, that's an interesting one, man. That's a whole episode right there. Yeah, line is a weird one, and I'm a freak. <laughs> I think that's one that's probably like the most debated amongst. <laughs> yeah, not even baits line where it's like, nah, bro, I throw fifteen, 
now I'm Macho Man. I throw 17. <laughs> like it's like it's the dumbest conversations, but yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah, well, dude, uh, we're gonna wrap this thing up here in a second. But I got Ooh. I got two more questions for you. I know Andy asked you one of them, but yeah, for for people listening, uh, this is the second time we've had Lewis on the show. We had Andy on the first time. Obviously, this is the second time he's with me. So we've had we both had our turns with with Lewis. So now we're gonna have to do a uh, in person show together at Redcrest. I think that's where we'll have to bring it all back together, full circle. Yeah. Um, but uh, so my question for you is, if you didn't have if you didn't want to choose fishing as your career path, what would you what would be your plan B? Oh boy, that's a brutal one. Uh okay, I got one. Um, something with uh, baseball analytics. Oh, dude, I bet okay. you are you sport nut then? Yeah, baseball specifically, but yeah, dude, I was that way growing up with, with hockey. Okay, like, were, you, were you a big trading card? kid growing up not so much dude so it's weird again you know tangent but like i love sports as a kid especially football and like something happened to me in high school where it was like i went completely and i did like collect like baseball cards as a kid and stuff but then like something happened in high school where i just became like stupid baseball yankees nut and basketball nicks nut so yeah okay dude that's like the one thing that's sad to me that is I don't know if it's me getting older that I've lost touch with it or if it's actually like a dying niche, but like sport trading cards. Yeah. It was like all I cared about as a kid. I'm growing up playing hockey. Like I wanted to collect as many. I still have a stash. Like the box is massive. <laughs> I think the last time I counted took me almost all day as a kid, but I was like 14 or 15. I had like 3000 something hockey. Cards. But I could, there was a lot of cards I could memorize that was how I would study players too. Like as a girl, uh, I studied their stats. You could tell me a guy back back that I can't do anymore. Yeah. You could tell me like Alex Ovechkin, 2008, 2009. I could tell you how many goals, assists, and points he'd have. Yeah. For analytical. And that's what I thought I was going to do growing up was like, I want to do analytics. I'm like, I want to study analytics. So I realized yeah. what that entails. I'm like, screw that crap. <laughs> like it's not even fun. But yeah. Yeah. That's cool though. I like luckily never looked into it and got to the point where I hated it. Um, but do yeah, I was the same way, like in high school and basketball, same exact thing. It, uh, it sounds cooler than it is. I, I took a <laughs> sport analytics class. It, it was a really cool class, but then I realized like what it, the job description entails afterwards yeah. in the sport industry. It's like, yeah, too much math, too much <laughs> math for me. I like beer too much. Those two yeah. don't add up. So yeah, I, I, it'd probably be the same for me. <laughs> yeah. Fishing's the perfect niche. That's right. That's right. Beers, beers, it makes fishing better. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, man. Okay. So, last question for you is uh, I'm assuming Andy asked you this one. Uh, If he didn't, you have to let me know and then we can give him a hard time. But (laughs) if if you could sit down and have a steak and a beer with three different individuals, they don't have to be the fishing industry. They could be alive a thousand years ago, live today, doesn't matter. Any three people, steak and a beer, pick their brain, who would you pick? Okay, so when I was on with Andy, I think I went straight fishing on it. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go the complete opposite direction. Beautiful. And I'm going to turn around and ask you. Uh, oh, God, okay. I don't know if I, – I hope someone's done that by now. But A couple uh, have. I'm never ready for it, but challenge accepted. Perfect. Uh, I'm going to go Dave Chappelle, <sighs> Joe Rogan, 
George Carlin. George Carlin. I don't know who George is. You'll have to look up some of his comedy stuff. It's unbelievable. What's the last name? Carlin. C-A-R-L-I-N. It's um he's unbelievable. All right, I'll look it up. I'm I'm I've been going down the the deep dive of comedy podcasts and such lately. I, I learned about about Joe's podcast, and then I go, yeah, sweet, big Bill Burr fan, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh man, now you're up. <laughs> okay, ah, uh, shoot, yeah, it's just I feel like I'm on the turn to like the other side of the table when I give this loaded question to dude. I thought about it like today, like when I was thinking about coming on, I was like, I, I'm going to turn around. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's clever. I like it. Um, I'm going to go post Twitter Elon Musk because I want to know what kind <laughs> of a shit show that's like. Okay. I'm going to go. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like the problems I want to do good ones. I don't want to like. Yeah. This is why I love this question, dude. This is why exactly why we installed this. It's great. Podcast. It's so great. Uh, I'm gonna go Theo Vaughn. Okay. We gotta add some humor in there. Yep. And then, you know who I bet has some crazy stories? I'm gonna go Mark Cuban. Ooh, that's good. Theo Vaughn like and Mark Riff Raff, and you know, that could be an Elon sitting there just like peasants. You guys are too dumb for me. And like, yeah. <laughs> Although yeah, I feel I like Elon would just be, I feel like you'd have some cool stories too. I love that. Yeah. Hell yeah. This is why I love this question. It, it just brings Freaking up so great. many different walks of life. Yeah, dude. That's that's good stuff. Well, man, uh, I seriously appreciate you taking the time out. It's good to get oh, you back on the show and uh, very looking forward to watching you compete at the Classic. The whole gang will be there at the classic and uh, we'll try a way to not like, you know, distract you. But if we can say hi, we'll come say hello. And then uh, we'll be sharing some beers and podcasts at Red Crest. Absolutely, dude. I, I hope to have the same. Uh, I don't know if I will, but I hope to have the same lighthearted feeling. So don't don't feel bad about coming up and shooting the shit. So, well, I'll, I'll promise you this. If, if, if it appears that you don't, we'll call you out on it. How about that? That is exactly what I want. Perfect. Hell yeah, man. Thanks a bunch. All right, dude. Well, I don't have anything to wrap up this show with uh, for folks, so we're going to we're gonna cut it right here. But for real, thanks a bunch. And, guys, if you are not following Louie, all the social media is down below in the show description, whether you're watching, listening. Highly encourage you guys to listen. If you're going to the Classic, this is the guy to keep your eye on. And, uh, buddy, we'll be, uh, we'll be talking to you real soon. Thanks, pal. Sounds great. All right, man. Take it easy, folks. We'll see you guys next week. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Searsanga fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.